the new Parkway Theater, where good food, diverse entertainment, and community create a place for everyone. For showtimes and special events, check out www.thenewparkway.com. Gavin Newsom announced a $116.5 million vaccine incentive plan with a grand prize of $1 million for people who have at least one shot of the vaccine. What do you guys think about that? Hey, just give me a Cadillac, some of the miles and that yak, and I'm good. <laughs> hey, he can save that money to clean up these goddamn streets. I don't need no incentive for this. I don't care if motherfuckers ain't vaccinated. Just clean up the fucking streets. Gavin Newsom is like the is like the Bruce Wayne of saving the city. He was just like no, Bruce Wayne saved shit, man. I know you don't like to admit it, Jerry, Jerry but he <laughs> saved shit. He put all that money into all his outfits and all his gear to save shit when he could have said, you know what? I'm gonna just spend all this money on reshaping the politics and the actual economic structure of our city so he we had so many people living politics. in squalor it was turn into crime. It was corrupt, so he couldn't put money into it. He could have owned the city. Yeah, military so contracts, bro. Military contracts. You know how much money's in that? He did bro? not have hey, come on. I, I know, I know this sounds great, fellas, but you not argue over a fictional character. I, I'm quiet. <laughs> Hear me now. You can hear me before. No, you didn't have a mic hooked up, bro. What are you talking about? Oh, that's why you couldn't hear me. That's why you're yelling my mic. Yeah, I was like, what? what, You you take the whole thing apart after every show, Negro? Yep, that's That's what I do. I take things apart. Look, I gotta, I gotta be less cluttery in some part of my life, so I choose the show to be it. So I take it apart, wrap it all up, and put it up and put it away. And it's original packaging every time. Mm. I don't do it nowhere else in my life, Woody. See, this is the problem is that he didn't multitask. Okay. He reset his modem, then he reset the computer. Yep, did it all in one, one swoop. And then after all that was done, then he reset, then he set back up his microphone. He could have been doing all this all at the same time. Nah, because at that time I was putting groceries up. <laughs> See, okay. I was multitasking, dude. I'm multitasking. Don't think I'm sitting around, just sitting around now, not doing anything. I was doing <laughs> stuff now. It just wasn't all for the show at that time. <laughs> Yeah, you know what you need to do? You need to set your computer to do automatic update every day, every Sunday at like 1 p.m. or 12.30 p.m. Or a.m. No, yeah, no p.m. because my internet started tripping after I woke up today. So I wanted to reset the modem, but I wanted it to be, and I reset it already in the morning, but I want to do it again closer to the show. That would be good. That way you I don't have started, to worry about it. I already started downloading stuff that morning, so I had to. See? You know how some people wake and bake? I wake and do other things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What kind of downloads you talking about? Like downloading some music, some gospel music, Aaron? Is that what you do? <laughs> it, it is gospel <laughs> in some sort, just a different kind of gospel. You know, there there are some books of the Bible I felt like were missing <laughs> when it came to my life, so I made up my own. Definitely I, books of the Bible. Let's go, Joshua, Judge, Joshua, Judges, Luke, Mister Lucas. Come on. First and second Samuel, first and second Samuel, first and second Lexington, first and second King. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Prince Joshua, son of King. Prince, <laughs> Joshua. Prince, Prince Joshua was the son of Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> and Mr. Marcus was the person who helped build Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, 
Hey, why ain't they playing Montrez Hero? I gotta. Because the nigga is weak. He can't play defense. That's the only thing. He can't play defense. He's, he's, he's overrated. He's overrated. Like none of these, none of these he got Lakers more offense like than the rest of them. Because he was about, yeah. you know, he was about as effective as Lou Williams. And if it wasn't for Lou Williams being the six man, he would have got the six man. They was just like, hey man, we both six men. We're playing in LA. We, you know, we on the we, we in second fit of LA, but it's but it's better be second fit of LA currently. Uh, maybe like ten years ago, it would have been they would have been playing on that team. They would have been no names, but since LA. Uh, second fiddle in LA is now a big thing. Um, you know what I'm saying? They was getting more shine and more pub than they deserve. They not that good. Man, that and team I, was still that team not was impact still players. fifth fiddle in LA. Well, no, they moved up to fourth fiddle, the Clippers did. I'm just saying second number fiddle. One, number one basketball was, wise. was probably the Dodgers. Then I would say number two was the Lakers. Number three now is the Rams. And mm-hmm. and and the Clippers moved into four class mm-hmm. USC. Number football. three is the Kings. Not a, the, Come on. Number three, the Kings over Rams? No, 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 A few years ago. A few years ago when they got their championship. But I'm saying who but gets most now, who gets now. like most of the LA attention. The, the thing is the Clippers definitely they 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 are, you know, it's it's more posh to be a Clipper now, you know, ever, especially ever since they got rid of Donald Sterling. You know what I'm saying? So it is That's what another it thing is. went down the hill. Dot Rivers. And Doc Rivers, but but you know they got and then they they had the whole thing where they got your boy Kawhi. You know he chose L.A. over free a free lifetime of shit in Toronto. You know what I'm saying they got Paul George to come home. You know what I'm saying so you got two yeah, native L.A. Don't say home. There's time Paul George like that come back home. Moreno, man, Moreno home. Valley ain't home. He said he was coming ain't home. The, bro. the Lakers don't play in Moreno Valley. Neither does the Clippers. Well, they can say about Candace Parker in WNBA. She's back to Chicago. She's she's from. What Nate Nate what Naperville? She's from yeah. outside of Chicago. So but, yeah. same, but, still, but they idea. but they home. They home. That's the whole point is that they home. They play at their their home area, you know, because there's not a not every place has their own pro team. But anyways, regardless right. of that, also remember is that last year everyone expected the Clippers to win the title. So like they were the big story. Like they were like, man, they they're gonna challenge LeBron. They were like the favorite to go and represent. They blew out everybody the first few weeks of the season. And then they came back down to earth, and then the playoffs happened, and then they they are they are who we thought they were. Right. But the whole point is right. that is that Montresero was a tryhard, who ended up refining his game, becoming more skilled than what he started as. But he's a tryhard, and he's not that he's not he's not a super dope player, but but some people seem to love him because he was on a team that got shine. You know what I'm saying? If that motherfucker was playing in Oklahoma City or Orlando. Yeah, you know what people forget, Jerry, is that he be Jay Crowder. He he, you know him and Cedric Sabalos are in the same kind of category. They are garbage players who, who clean up the scraps, but they're high end garbage players, yeah. right? But Sabalos also had smooth offensive game too. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He made you think he had smooth offensive game by winning one dunk contest. That dude was a prime. And here's the thing: he was a great offensive rebounder. Man, he had a great like, form of a jumper. He didn't land it when he shot it, but he no, looked, it looked it looked good. good. See, That's the thing. Montrezl Harrell ain't form. got a jumper. His don't look good. Montrezl Harrell's a classic hustle try hard. So Balos was like, I look good and try hard. But I look good. He didn't try hard. He was just a great a prime time garbage player. He cleaned up. I'm trying to be on living single and hollering at my girl Khadijah. I'm Cedric Sabalos. He used to be a women's basketball player. Um. Her name was Olympia Scott. She played for uh, Stanford. Yep. You remember yep. her, Woody? She I was. Sure and she put up a lot of points. And let me tell you, Tara Vanderveer ran no offense for her because she was just a primetime garbage player. She cleaned up the, like the third tips, right? And and any loose ball on the ground near the board, she got it and put it up and in. She can offensive rebound and score. But if you ran, if you give it to her in the post, 
put like this, she was Stanford's fifth option in the half court offense. It went, it went, it went, it went. Kate Starberg, who had game, she was the most awkward looking white girl with game. The, the offense went through Starberg. I yes. see, I saw her in person. The offense ran through Starberg. Yes, one of the best, one of the best women's basketball player I ever seen. She just looked awkward. She didn't look the part. She she looked like awkward. Her shoulders hunched over, and the girl could hit from anywhere on the court, score inside, outside. It went through. It went through Starberg. Then they had this big, this other big redhead girl named Vanessa Nygaard. She was who they hit on the post. She was their power forward. She was wide, left handed. She was the post. And then they had this really cute point guard, Jamila Weidman, who uh, mm-hmm. one of her uncles wrote a famous book, uh, uh, "My Brother's Keeper," because her uncle, one uh, the other uncle, killed somebody. And he was like, uh, we're not, just because he's part of my family, I'm not a brother's keeper. Anyway, she was the point guard. She was actually the second ever player drafted by the WNBA, Jamila Weidman. And then, uh, yeah, and Olympia Scott put up a lot of stats here. But she was a primetime high-end guard player. That's what Harold is. That's what Montrez Harold is. He's just a high-end. We're used to the low-end garbage players, right? People averaging nine points, and we like them because they're scrappy. They're this and that. They average nine points a game. You know, people like Kevin Looney, right? Like, oh, man, he's good. You know, he just works hard and he averages nine points a game. But then we get surprised when there's a garbage player that's high end and he could get you 19 some every now and then, you know, or average eight, 19, 18. And we're like, oh, they're good. And that's Montrez Harrell. We're like, oh, he's good. Cedric Sabalos. Oh, he's good. <laughs> no. Aaron talked to him like oh. this. Just like your dad. You don't do shit and you never gonna amount to shit. All you ever do around here is eat, sleep, and shit. Look at this place. Way y'all act, y'all must think I'm the maid. I can't believe you got paid your wife to call it to uh, you recorded her while she was talking to him. Exactly. Damn. Exactly what she do. <laughs> it, it one point Dr. Buzzard's sun shower. The background. <laughs> Oh, he's doing But garbage points are points regardless. Garbage points cost they're the same amount as regular mm-hmm. points. So you're right. Hey, you're right about you that. Need 19 right. garbage points. Hey. You need yeah. a garbage player on the team. My transfer, I, I like that he's on the Lakers. I don't know why they're not playing him. I think he could do better than uh Andre Drummond. No. Get that to start Andre Drummond's playing really bad now. <laughs> but like you said, um we can record that and just keep playing it throughout the week. No, he, and like work. you said, game the five. Lakers, <laughs> if, if, game if Lakers would have put the um, foot on their throat last game, they wouldn't have won to play. And they was playing with them. All they did was piss, off, piss them off. It was eight minutes left. They were up by 21 in game three. And the Lakers started clowning around. LeBron James clowning around, acting like he's shooting arrows and shit. And I was like, dude, they're playing around. They're joking around. They were running on the court laughing. I was like, I call, I text Pedro. I said, they need to put their foot on their throat. They plan around because you saw Phoenix and then kept scoring. And I'm like, they're playing mm-hmm. around. Put your foot on the throat. You'll win next game just by humiliating them this game. Like what Milwaukee basically did. Milwaukee yeah. humiliated Miami in game three, humiliated them. Mm-hmm. And then game four, even when they were down, it the feeling was, even they were down in the fourth quarter, Milwaukee was, the feeling was they're going to win this game easily. Your boy, you don't have was throwing chairs yesterday. Dude, they destroyed him by the end. Milwaukee beat Miami in game four by by humiliating them in game three. The Lakers mm-hmm. yeah. toyed around with the Suns, thought it was better to laugh and have jokes, and then all they did was piss them off because they let them come back in that game. I said, you're, you're letting them have life. Yeah. Like, the, yeah. like, like the late Kobe Bryant once said, and this is a positive quote coming out of Aaron about Kobe Bryant. 
he said when the Lakers played uh, New Jersey and when they had that three-peat, that first three-peat, in game one, the Lakers had a big lead, lost it at the end, sort of like this game three. And everybody, all the media was talking like, oh, man, the, the, the Nets got a chance. The Nets got a chance. So in game two, it was the same way at the end. It was like Lakers up nine, three minutes left. Lakers end up winning by almost 20 points because Kobe just went crazy with like the last two minutes. They interviewed him after the game. They said, hey, so what was that about? You know, this and that. And he said, I don't, I hate to say it. This is not going to sound PC, but I tried to, I tried to slit their throats. Right. He said, I, didn't, I wanted them to think that they didn't have a chance against us. And that's what I tried to do at the end. And that's and, and Lakers end up winning next two wasn't even close. It was even worse. So you mm-hmm. need to do that to people. I don't know if it's the millennial thing. Sorry, no offense, Jared, but I don't know what it is that they just there's no killer instinct no more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the Suns. The enough. Suns have. I'm looking at the box score. The Suns have five players in double figures. Come on now. Yep. Yeah. And and, and it show it's yeah. None of them playing good. Strong. Only person playing good right now is Kyle Kuzma. The only person scoring. Mm-hmm. This game is pretty pretty much over because they're they're not shooting the ball well, they're not um they're not defending. They're getting letting out bump Chris Paul every time down the floor. If I was uh, the Lakers, they're basically they doing test everything. that sugar buttons that test that shoulder, but they everybody wants to be friends. You know that's my friend, so I don't want to hurt. This nigga the Lakers said, are test my sugar. I mean, test that sugar. I know. He said sugar. Man, it's my, he can't get that. That's the diabetes brain right there. Everything revolves around my sugar. Uh, when he said that, Aaron Turner was like, am I the only one aroused right now? Come on, man. Everything, when you got that diabetes brain, everything evolves around your sugar. Hey, hey, turn on the fan. My sugar getting high. <laughs> no, I can't use that hair product. That'd be raising my sugar levels. Come on. You should have heard. Uh, this is a testimonial from one of uh, the people that went to Aaron's church, by the way. Hey, man, I'm going to go home and break my wife's hip. I ain't had sex with her in a while. She's going to feel the pain. I'm the pleasure. Oh, it's going to be some pleasure mixed in there, but she might be crippled in the morning. So um, if anybody out there want to donate a wheelchair. <laughs> You can't get away with saying that now. <laughs> Everybody knew he was joking when he said that, but you can't get away with that now. <laughs> People call up Peter on them in a minute. The church of AG. Peter. Uh-huh. They'll call up any any organization and try to get him in trouble. Peter. <laughs> Black Lives Matter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Office Depot, whatever, they all them wake, woke, Target, all them woke organizations. <laughs> the hashtag woke, wake, wake. Kamal, W. Kamal Bell, that's the captain of the woke industry. He's the captain of the woke industry. All right, well, y'all ready to start the show? Only if you got w, w. Kamal Bell coming on later on. <laughs> now we'll need that wax sauce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't need him on here. Bitches running wild, man. <laughs> um, all right. Um, well, uh, Woody, I need a letter. Let's go with S. Uh, all right. Soliloquies, serpentine, shake weights, standardization, shamanamanamanaya, sarate. Sarate. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the Adarius Bell podcast. You can catch oh, us at adariusbell.com. 
um, on the Instagram, the YouTube, and the Twitter. Um, you can also email the show at uh, Adarius Bell is a bitch nigga at gmail.com. I do not condone oh. that slander. Oh, you about to die. You about to die. Oh, you go die. Oh, bro. Uh, please be sure to check bro. out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Adarius Bell's podcast. Man, you just start to shake. <laughs> And we are here with uh, this is Aaron Grayson, and I'm running uh, coming at you faster than than W. Kamal Bell running away from that scandal. <laughs> Hashtag woke white wife, woke black white, woke black man. I'm running away from it like W. Kamal Bell, except my hair ain't nappy, and I and I ain't all ashy. Someone right. need to wake his ass up and tell him get some lotion from Target. There's a Target right down the street from his house. There's two of them in in in, in, in Oakland now. Go get some goddamn lotion. Get some of that Visine. He might need to go with intensive care. Move. No, 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 nothing. Nothing. Not a goddamn thing. I'm not mad at you. I'm just tense. No, no. What the fuck is wrong with you? You know, if it wasn't for him being in, I thought he was showing up uh, at that cafe, Jared, to clean the chimneys and the fireplaces. I'm like, this motherfucker, man, he, his business ain't died out during summer, man. As ashy as he is. Man, this motherfucker getting work. I'm in the wrong business. I need to get become a fireplace uh Cleaner. W. Kamal, that's what happens when you get a woke white wife like W. Kamal Bell. Shea butter wouldn't even work on him. You put shea butter on him, that shit roll off of him like like powder. And his white wife probably be like, he might be turning more my color. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> he, might, he might be doing that on purpose. <laughs> like, baby, I just want you to let you know I identify. <laughs> Woody, I don't know if you know this. We've had a history on this show in person with W. Kamal Bell. Oh really? Yeah, the Darsville yeah, uh, podcast over here. has a issue with him because he um he, he did dissed, not he dissed give the our name. He dissed our uh, the podcast namesake uh, by not giving him a head nod. Yeah, this is my first time hearing about it, Woody. I ain't, I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah, and we are here with. Hello, everybody. It's your friend, the captain. Uh, currently unemployed, so um, hopefully I get this check coming up. I don't have to uh, go to that Patreon and dig in it. The bottom line, brothers and sisters, what I'm trying to tell you tonight is that evil, evil is necessary. Evil is necessary. Thereby, if it's necessary, evil must be good. Evil is good. That's what I think. Evil must be good. Let me hear y'all say it. Evil is good. That's right. Evil is good. Take Brother Brown, for instance. One of our strongest deeds. Tell us stability. Brother Brown was down on Bushwick Gavin the last night with a $2 hole. Oh, Coochie said, I didn't know she was no more. dog. You told me you were such a mama. Now that's evil. When you tell your wife, I'm going to go see mama. Then you go down on Bush Avenue and get you a two dollar hole. That's evil. But Brother Brown had a good time with that two dollar hole. You can push a two dollar hole to the line. She don't have no limits. <laughs> I also don't condone that. Don't get a two dollar hole. You might come home with something. And it won't be a gift basket. Yeah, that that that. But is the gift that keeps on giving if you get it? Won't be a gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> oh shit and if we are here with what up y'all it's your man uncle dub from the sports working podcast and i'm back you're welcome yeah. welcome thank god for the white man's infinite mercy martin luther king because if it was up to me 
I'd unleash the hound and tang y'all niggas in the puppy child. I was happy at the back of the bus. <laughs> it's like the clips that you play from uh, Boondocks, especially Jimmy Rebel. When y'all play Jimmy Rebel at the time, I was out on the walk with my kid, and I swear I didn't think I was going to make it home. I was out so long. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, that, those are the one clips. The Boondock clips Jarrett seems to really use in the right time and space. The other ones, I think he'd just be guessing. Boondocks is like, man, Jerry, you have some great foresight to get that ready for that. Right, right. Oh, oh shit. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I love my Uncle Ruckus. You know, he keeps it real, real ignorant and real cooning. So that's it. That's it. That's it's all good with me. Uh, and my name is Jared, a.k.a. DJ Art, um, with approval from Adarius Bell uh, Podcast Incorporated. LLC Incorporated, um, and uh, the D is silent. If that's okay with uh, Adarius Bell Incorporated, uh, since since he probably came up with the idea, anyways. And it's with two T's for a double dose of that tink tink. Shout out to him sponsorship. Uh, and here's my soundbite. You fucked her, didn't you? We got us another one. Fuck you. Oh, you know damn well who, Nikki. You know damn well who? What? Nikki! The whole Babylon! That's what you were! The Babylon! The whole Babylon! I mean, I never touched that girl! Oh, yeah? Then you should change your shirts more often. That's a lipstick on your collar. Lipstick on his collar? What kind of man are you? It's a shame and a shock! It caught you! Wait, it didn't happen like that! That's right, tell it didn't happen that way! Don't be ashamed of yourself, boy! Ain't nothing wrong with that! Don't be ashamed because you went out and got your little ass! Look out! Ass is good! Right. I know many of y'all may be saying, how the preacher stand up and saying ass is good. How y'all think y'all got here? If it wasn't for ass, you wouldn't be here. Ass is good. Evil is good and ass is good. Uh-huh. And if you get you a piece of evil ass, whoo! Cave syndrome, it's a real thing. If y'all don't know what cave syndrome is, after a year of isolation, many people who have developed an intimate understanding of what it means to socially isolate are afraid to return to their former lives despite being fully vaccinated. In recent weeks, there has been um, incentives being put out there by different states to get your vaccines, to make sure you get your shots so you can hang out with Rob. My question is, how is the cave syndrome treating you? And what, if any, incentives have helped you come out of that cave? If, if, I'm, if I'm understanding your question, like you're asking like what things are making it easier for me to emerge from my home to go out more? Yeah, like Krispy Kreme giving you a free donut or Budweiser giving you free beer? <laughs> I mean, d- before even they were doing that, they were saying stuff like, I remember Krispy Kreme was like, oh, show us your vac- vaccination card, you get a free donut. Okay, that was kind of in the early stages of where everyone was getting vaccinated. Now vaccination seems to be, you know, pretty widespread, although the numbers don't suggest that everyone's getting vaccinated. Um, But for me, I don't really feel like I need to be incentivized. I mean, there are other reasons that uh, I would go out, but it's more so because I need something. Um, Even And still, I'm vaccinated, but I'll I'll be honest with you, I'm still going to wear a mask for a while. I don't really agree with the CDC's recommendations for a lot of reasons. So some people need need the incentive, 
me personally, I don't really need the incentive. I'm still going out, but I'm still being very uh, cautious and careful as to where I'm going, what I'm doing, at least for the duration. What about you, Aaron? Uh, do you feel do you feel the cave syndrome uh, bearing down on you in certain ways? And are there any of the incentives that you've seen from these different corporations or states that would that make you say, hey, you know what? Fuck cave syndrome. I'm ready to go back outside. Well, well this is my thing. Is it in the DSM, right? This 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 cave syndrome. I don't know if it's in. Is it official? An official term like the spectrum and things like that. Like, or did someone just someone just write it one day and say, "Hey, man, these people got cave syndrome." Because that sounds like you know, like Ice Cube when he came out and uh, called some people cave bitches. I won't say who they were. <laughs> oh, Scientific <laughs> American, uh, scientificamerican.com. Yeah, so it's not article. in the DSM. That's all I can Oh no, no, okay. it has to go through. It has to go through. It has to go through more scientific vetting. Yeah, and, ho- and, and hopefully, and, hopefully, and the scientists got. I, I need those scientists instead of instead of trying to put a lot of effort and time and and worried about their applied sciences to go into a name of something. Work work with the CDC so they can stop. I'm I'm with Woody. Don't rush this, right? Like I felt like that shit came real rush, and I understand there's a lot of economic reasons behind it and things like that. But I I was like, hold on, we went from just uh, even if you're fully vaccinated, still having your mask on, still trying to social distance in a group to all of a sudden now, you're trying to tell me I, I could go in there with nothing on but a G-string now. Like, man, you could just have a G-string. You good. You vaccinated. You good. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what the pressure was behind it. And Dr. Fauci, next thing you know, uh, he going to tell me, oh, man, you could ride in the car with a bunch of crips while wearing red. You can have that red mask and you're hanging out your pocket now. You'll be fine because you vaccinated. No, I won't, Dr. Fauci. That's a bad move. You're giving me bad information. You're gonna get you're gonna get a brother out here killed. Yeah. Say so wear your mask, get vaccinated, and then throw the G skin on, show some cheeks. How about that? You know? yeah. Exactly. Assless exactly. chaps. All I need is assless chaps and a and a and a, and a thin bandana, and I'm good. Um, they ru- it's ruining my hot back summer. It's ruining my hot back summer, though. See, he's trying to get everyone excited for hot back summer, but now he got me real curious, right? I don't know, man. Maybe there's a lot of other tests we need to put down on this vaccination card, right? I need I need to know people are clear of a lot of things. <laughs> maybe your boy Chet Bank, uh, Chet Hanks. Maybe he has something. He had something to hot. This this what this hot boy something. This white boy something. White boy uh-huh. summer. I think this is kind of all leading towards white boy summer. White boy summer. Yeah. Wake up this morning and see the thing tunnel. Well, yeah, I, for me, like I was I was definitely caught off guard when they're like, you don't got to wear a mask indoor or outdoor if you're fully vaccinated. And I was like, OK, I was like, that sounds great and all. But I've heard that some people who have gotten vaccinated have still caught it. Um, now, the amount of data that says that that happens, the odds of that happening, I you know, I would hope is very small. And, you know, there's always outliers. Um, however, within that, it's still like who's to say that you're not going to be an outlier than one of those risks. So like, I'm not going to just like start openly just going out around maskless. That would just be, I think that, that that's not prudent. It's not thoughtful. And it's uh, it, it would be a little bit reckless. And I would say that um, the biggest pushback in this whole pandemic has been more of just people who don't want to be thoughtful and care and careful. They, you know, they seem a little more reckless. Now, maybe that's just my sensibilities being put on it, but like people who are like, I shouldn't have to wear a mask because it's infringing on my rights. Like putting a piece of cloth over your face to help alleviate the potential the transmission of, of a disease that passes or a virus that passes through uh, moisture droplets. Like it doesn't seem like that that's that hard to do. Um, it doesn't seem like it's really infringing on your rights. You not being able to go outside or you not being able to vote 
or you not being able to, you know what I'm saying, get education, those are like essential things that I would say are infringing on your rights. You not being able to go to your favorite restaurant because it's closed through the safety reasons, or you not being able to go to a concert, or you not being able to go to a bar, that is a that is a perk of living in this country. It's not a right. You know what I'm saying? I think that one thing this this uh, pandemic you know revealed to us is a lot of the things that not are frivolous, but are more amenities of our you know, first world experience here in America. These are, we, we have so many different forms of industry and, and things we interact, interact with on a day-to-day basis in our social world, in our actual communities that are amenities. They're not essentials, you know what I'm saying? They're not foundational, important things that we need every day in our life. Um, and people, you know, have taken that and turned it into like, this is a right and I need it and it must be given to me. And I'm like, no, you don't need to go to the bar. No, you don't need to be able to go out to the music venue. No, you don't need to be able to go to your favorite restaurant that serves some special food that, yeah, it's great to have, but like, can you make food or get food other places? Are you able to still travel where you need to go and, you know, more essentially? Yeah, you can. Are you still allowed to go out and vote? Yeah, unless you're a nigga, they're trying to take away the voting boxes and make you go line up in a line with 10,000 people. But that, you know, we ain't gonna talk about that. We ain't getting into that. Good is an ancient Anglo-Saxon word. Go off, meaning the absence of color it's all good which it is i guess my next question is just like is there anything that anything that a company or somebody could throw at you to incentivize you just relaxing and just you know going full full i don't care about the pandemic no more what incentive would that be to be honest with you it's like okay if someone says to me i'll give you uh hundred thousand dollars tax free I mean, so what? So if I happen to do that and then I go do this and I drop dead, do I get the two hundred thousand dollars? I mean, I still get it, but I don't get to use it. So I mean, again, it, it just doesn't make sense for businesses to. I mean, I, I see what they. I, I get it. They're trying to get people, like you said, to come out and do more things. I understand that, but. What's crazy, what blows my mind about this is just the idea that only in America could we politicize a disease, a pandemic. We have literally politicized, I mean, not all of us. There are many of us who took the serious from day one, who understood the risk, did what they had to do. And as this has gone on, there are people who didn't complain about this, didn't pick up their AR-15s and go bombard their state legislature and threaten their governors and do all this crazy shit. So my whole thing is there are many of us who did what we were supposed to do because guess what? You want to live. I mean, us being black is hard enough because we got to worry about that plus the fucking police trying to kill us. You, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's just so much that we have to deal with. So for us, we're doing the right thing. And many of us did the right thing. Um, but no, I mean, what, what are you going to tell me? Or what are you gonna? What can you offer me to make me just go out there? Nothing, because I value my life. I mean, trust me, I could use two hundred K right now. Believe you me, but I would like to be around long enough to do other things outside of you know y'all give me all this money so I can oh I can go to this cool new brewery with no mask on. Get out of fuck out of here, man. You know. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel Ridiculous. you. I feel you. It has the vibe out there in in the DMV area been kind of like, is it is it relaxed or is it more uh, are people being more thoughtful about it or is it starting to ease up or what, what are you noticing in your community? Um, so I know that in Virginia and Maryland and 
think in DC they're going to start relaxing. If not now, it's coming soon. They're going to start relaxing a lot of the mandates. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for a fact that in Virginia that there is a law on the books, and this is way pre-COVID, there's a law on the books that says that you can't wear a mask in public, that's against the law. And they relaxed that law at the start of COVID when they said to people, okay, they recommend you wear masks, but then as if you're going places, you had to wear masks to go to the store, all that that stuff. So those things are about to become uh, those executive orders that ordered the masks due to the public health emergency, those things are becoming those will be rescinded soon. But I think my understanding is they're going to keep the, they're going to keep the, the suspension of that current law in Dakota, Virginia about masks. They're going to keep that in place for a little bit while because they know that there are people who uh, like myself will say, you know, I'm vaccinated, but I still want to wear a mask. So they're not going to enforce that other law. And I tell people all the time, I'm from Virginia. I tell people all the time, if you want to laugh hysterically Go pick up the amended code of Virginia from 1950. Some of the laws in there are so archaic, it is just beyond ridiculously funny how terrible the code of the code of Virginia needs to be amended like yesterday. It is so shitty how many ridiculous laws they still have in the code of Virginia. Mm, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Uh Piedro, you uh live amongst the uh the southwestern states. What's the vibe out there? Are you um are you dealing with any cave syndrome or have you noticed it amongst any of your peers down there? Uh, no. Uh, so the Hispanic community, uh, they were um, getting sick the most out here because there are a lot of gatherings and things. And even, even with uh, the things lightening up or restrictions coming up, um, uh, people are still doing their thing. Then you have our Caucasian community. They still go out to the lake, go jeeping, camping. And that's why last year there was still fires <laughs> in the, um, out in the hills because people were escaping uh, to go camping. Um, in the beginning of the pandemic, you've seen more of the cave syndrome. People weren't going out as much. But um, people just haven't been, I would say, in a cave mode. If they got in a cave state, um, it's actually too hot down here to stay in the case. People will still want that, want to get out and do things. So um, I I didn't really like you guys encounter like in the Western States and on the East Coast. I haven't seen any of that type of activity done here. Only in the beginning, because everybody was so confused and um, scared of everything. You had to, this was also in the beginning of the Trump rally. So you did have the Trumpers out here in the streets. And all of them died and got sick. <laughs> so, um, no, we just we wasn't really we didn't have that syndrome. No, like I said, that's a that's really a in your in your larger states, California, New York. That's something that they do. So I haven't had the same. Um, we haven't had the same uh, demons like you guys had. Is there anything that any of these incentives from corporations or the state that'll get you uh, to come out of that cave? Buck you naked. Uh, Arizona's not offering anything. I'm kind of mad because I would, <laughs> I'd do a lot of things for a donut. <laughs> the lion said you graduated high school to get a donut. Any perk that could be offered to you 
Man, there's perks that could be offered to me, but the government ain't offering them. <laughs> what, what perk? What perk? I, I, I ain't letting you say. I ain't saying, but just know that they out there. What I'll is, let people discover them. It, what, what if they offer like? What if your favorite person offered like a free, uh, lifetime subscription to OnlyFans? Tom, you got your vaccine. Tom, it well, depends on who it is, because if it's like me or Khalifa, they could keep it. <laughs> you you know what? If it's like, hey man, you get vaccinated, you get vaccinated, you get a free OnlyFans account to me or Khalifa. I'll t- you know what I'll say? I'll say, just go ahead and inject me with the shit you gave to the Tuskegee experiment, because I, I don't want that shit. <laughs> you can fuck it up. No, I don't want to keep it. You can give me that Miko Grimes conspiracy theory juice. <laughs> you give me anything. Keep it. Keep it, man. I'm not trying to do no Mia Khalifa. Keep it. <laughs> that, you could. You might as well just test me. You know, can, I, can I do the opposite? Can I be a test dummy? What if it was Astro Dominus? You know what? She's doing too much domination. You know what? We missed the boat on that, Jared. I never got my bet. My bet paid off, so... You got to talk to Adarius Bell. That's the Adarius Bell podcast. Adarius Bell was not on the podcast that day. That was Wait, no, no, this is the Adarius Bell podcast. This is the Adarius Bell podcast. You so so when I sue, I got to sue Adarius Bell? Yep, yep. This is the Adarius Bell podcast. Well, is he an LLC? You, man, you better check <laughs> it out, man. I, I need to find out Adarius Bell an escort. <laughs> I need my money. In sports, it is the best time of the year, personally, other than the NFL playoffs, the first two weekends of the NFL playoffs, we are in the best time for sports. It is the first round of the NBA playoffs. The first and second round of the NBA playoffs is usually a good time because you got games on almost every night. And with the current model and the current uh, uh, saturation of the league, you got actually decent games between the one and eight seeds and the seven and two seeds. Kind of, not really. At least in one conference you do. But um, we have fans behaving badly. Fans behaving badly has been the one thing that has been defining this week. Other than the, some of the good games, we have fans behaving badly in Utah, Philly, Boston, Philly. No, no, New York, New York, New York, and uh, that was Philadelphia. That was Philadelphia. Oh, that was Boston Philadelphia. didn't do nothing. You know, Boston. No, Boston. No, we'll get to the Boston. We'll get to Boston. No, no, no. We're giving them a bad rap. No, no, no. No, Boston did do something, but we'll, we, they didn't do nothing this week. They ain't do nothing this year. You know why they didn't do nothing bad? It's because they got called out before they had a chance to do something bad. <laughs> they said, be on your best behavior. We're tired of uh, trying to defend ourselves against being the most racist, there. liberal city I'll, in the country. I'll wait till all right, we get we'll get there. to that. Anyways, but uh, all right, in Utah, uh, Philadelphia, and New York, there were incidences with fans behaving badly. In Utah, fans were heckling uh, John Moran's family inappropriately. Some fans were doing it in good nature and some were doing it in a, in a, in a, in a divisive, in a very disrespectful manner. In New York, a fan spit on the back of Trey Young. And in Philly, somebody poured popcorn on Russell Westbrook as he was walking off the court after an injury. Um, I guess my question about this is, should the players just deal with it and get over it? Or do these fans need some type of formal and tangible punishment? Um, so going back to the New York person, um, being that we are in COVID, uh, that person, I mean, they have been banned from Madison Square Garden, but they should face assault charges because technically in the age of COVID, we don't know if that person's been vaccinated, not vaccinated, but that is technically assault. So they should be charged with assault. Mm -hmm. Um, but outside of banning them, I mean, you know, depending on whatever else occurs, you know, if it was like with the person with, uh, even with the popcorn, that's technically assault. It, I mean, assault, assault is technically if you touch me or 
hit me with something that I did not want, that is technically assault. So the New York person should also, I mean, it's, it, that sounds petty, but by definition, both of those incidents are assault and they should be charged. It'll probably be like a misdemeanor. Yeah, misdemeanor. They'll probably pay a fine. But for the most part, yeah, outside of being permanently banned from those, they should at least pay a fine or something. Which I think the permanent ban is kind of ridiculous itself. Like they can't get someone else to buy tickets. We all know who works in the front of these stadiums. They not, they don't got no pictures on them. There's no, now I've seen people permanently banned from the RSF. That's the sports facility at UC Berkeley. Uh, and they got their pictures up front, including a friend of mine that I was sitting there at the front desk. Like if I worked in a, when I was working in the equipment room for women's basketball and they were rebuilding the stadium and I had to wash in there. And I'm like, wait, hold on, dude, hold on. They got his picture in the front. Right, <laughs> like you know, what I'm talking about. Pedro. Shout out to uh... <laughs> my boy Robert. Shout Robert out to Fuller. Robert. Robert Fully Love. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. I, didn't, you know, I remember that story. I Dude, remember that story. Oh. I saw his picture on the front. I'm like, this who got banned? Wow. He told me he got. To, he told me he got some kind of misunderstanding here, and it said he was stealing all kinds of the, shit. The misunderstanding turned into understanding. You ain't allowed here no more, nigga. Yeah, because yeah, you're walking off. He was the, the problem with these big stadiums. It's like you're gonna ban them. We might remember it for one year, and then like, not like they can't get somebody else to buy them ticket right mm-hmm. um that's why i'm like man that's kind of small the banning i mean you you have to do it but is it really going to be a lifetime ban it's like when you really think about the the reality of it, it might not happen right but yeah. it's you, you still do have to do it to stay i like that teams do it i can tell you this you could do what soccer do and just but the problem is the league won't do it especially after covid and that is uh not allow them to have fans mm-hmm. right you don't allow them to have fans but but then the problem is you're punishing everyone else, like in the John Morant case, where the dad said it was friendly for 90 percent of the people around me. We were going back and forth. It was friendly and fun. But then yeah. it was just a, it was just this one group of three who made it into a racist thing where the other one, everyone else, we we had a great time bantering. And like he's, he even said, like I told some of them, I'll be back here uh, for whatever game this and, and, but we're going to be up, right? And they laughed. And he said he was having a good time with the fans bantering back and forth until this one group just went too far and made it race. And he said the rest of them were fine. They never said anything. It was just this one group of people. So it's hard, man. I don't know. I'm actually glad that, you know, this is one thing I'm glad that they're, they're starting to bring the light, as me and Aaron always say, the millennials. And starting to bring some of this stuff to light because you, if you go back and listen to what the guys were getting told back in the 80s and 70s, my lord, cokehead niggas, niggas, <laughs> cokehead, they your girlfriend on coke, leave my white woman alone, don't put your 14 inch penis in my wife, all kinds <laughs> of stuff. It's just crazy. <laughs> so, um, I'm glad to believe the uh, millennials are bringing attention to this, cameras are bringing attention to this because it's been going on too long. It's getting out of hand. That's what, I mean, I guess that's why they call them fanatics, but um, when you get personal, Charles Barkley was always the famous person to be behind the personal um, uh, insults that he would get from visiting uh, uh, arenas and everything. Um, he would have some of the most horrible things spewed by, and, but he, it, in, in all his, I think he got what, he got one dude kicked out, right? If I remember that, what was that dude that used to follow him everywhere, Aaron? What he he got a dude know? kicked out. I don't know. He got he, no, he got one dude kicked out and banned. It was a dude that was following. It was a famous dude following him in the um, 
back in the ni- early nineties. And you would see him in the arena boy. every time. Oh, he was he, he would mainly show up in Washington. Well, Barkley was famous for it. Um, people always heckling him and everything. And then when we meet people out in public, of course we all know of the Barkley some people out of windows and things. <laughs> But uh, I'm glad that this is, is coming to a, to attention finally. It needed to be done years ago. Even like the Malice at the Palace, how they was being unruly. People throwing stuff on the court, not letting it between the fans. Everybody blames that on Ron Ortiz. Well, it, was one it, was. Pers- it was one person. One person. Yeah. I, I tell you who was fault of that. That was Ben, Wa- ben Wallace going too far. But it's but you know what? Like yeah. one of his, I think his grandma just died right before that happened. There's a lot of things yeah. behind that. And one dude throws a throws a beer or Pepsi, whatever it was. At Ron Artest. At Ron Artest, and that started it all. Yeah. But yeah. Th- that's been going on. It's been going on for so many years. It just with fans being so unruly and just extremely yeah. disrespectful. Yeah, people think you buy a ticket and it, it gives them the right to do. I, you know, I got an argument with someone this weekend uh, about, uh, he was like, when Russell Westbrook got someone kicked out for sticking up the middle finger and yelling at him, and they were like, why can't you do that? And I'm like, that's the start of it, right? Like, you could boo, you could do those things, but don't, you can't curse. I was like, I don't like cursing at games. I try not to curse myself. And I don't, you know me, I don't, Jared, I don't yell at, or Pedro, you, I don't know if you've been to game with me, but Jared, I've never been to game. I just, I know, I realize that as I said this. Jared knows I don't cheer, even when I'm right at a Dodger game at this. I, I, I sit back, I might clap a little bit at the very end, but I let, I let the game play out. I enjoy watching it, but I'm not sewing that up and screaming. Oh, that's a lie, Aaron. We went to the Rams game. It was the first. Oh, yeah, we did go to Rams game. Yeah. I was quiet as hell there, too, because there was a lot of fights in that stands that night. Kind of to your point. Uh, Aaron, um, mm-hmm. these fans they they act in this in this way, and then they they're just living in delusion. Um, I, I I had to go find this tweet. Like, I think I talked about this. I couldn't remember if, if it was Russell Westbrook, but uh, a couple days ago it was reported that the Utah judge tossed out a one hundred million dollars <laughs> suit against Russell Westbrook and the Jazz. So these are two fans. Who and they find the guy's tweets. He was tweeting all kinds of racist shit. He was all in support of Trump. He was a big man, had all the stuff to say to Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook probably put him in his place, told him about himself, and him and his, I guess, his girlfriend or whatever the fuck, they claim defamation and infliction of emotional stress. I'm going, really? So basically, you act like an asshole. You then get told about yourself. And you're all offended and won $100 million. I'm glad that this judge, whether I'm assuming it's a federal judge, had the good sense to <laughs> throw the case out. And I hope when they were doing that, told them to never waste this court's time again or I will throw you in jail. I want to see more judges doing yes. that kind of thing because this is ridiculous. And these yes. fans are just out of fucking control. I agree. Yeah. It, there's definitely, and I think this this ties into a just a historical context of, and and it, we don't have to make it about how the treatment of black men, but it, the, the one would be the treatment of black men and their objectification and commodification of of the black body and black men in general, um, for entertainment purposes. You know, Calvin Candy was over here betting on Mandingo fighting and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? But also to just the general commodification mentality as consumers in our country, like. Like, cause I think we can all find times where we, where we disregard whether we're out at a restaurant or we're out at a, you know, out at a bar or we're out at a sporting event or some, some format where 
we don't necessarily fully give our attention to the people we're interacting with that are serving us or that are part of the experience that we are paying for, paying for whatever, as a person, as a full human being. We, we look at it as this thing that is consumed by us and this mentality that has been ingrained that we are the consumer and we're, we're always right, which we are not. We're always right. Um, it's just a, 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 just a negative and a kind of a poison pill to be serving and poisoning the water of your, of your actual society, to even have that as a, a mode of how you engage the world around you. You engage the world around you uh, with a certain you know, level of dignity and respect, hopefully, but, but because we live in the society where everything is commodified, you feel like you have some kind of ownership over it and that 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 latent ownership mentality allows us to think that we can treat this situation in the way that we feel fit in that moment and that we could be inebriated we could be you know saying tired we could just be on another level whatever it might be um and just the 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 idea that we have some ownership over this then you know expands extends itself onto the people that are working or that are there also and that's just i think it's, it's something that needs to be you know further evaluated in the way we you know social studies uh, fuck cave syndrome let's talk about the way consumerism has you know saying shaped our mentality of just like human interaction and exchange um in in, in a lot of a lot of different ways especially with all these amenities we have you know what I'm saying all these amenities that, that that a lot of these motherfuckers who are mad about putting a mask on are not being able having their first uh, their their rights uh, infringed upon because of this pandemic you know what I'm saying these amenities that I can't go to anymore it's like you don't treat these people well anyways yeah so you know i, I think i think there's yeah charge those motherfuckers um i'm glad uh you know i think what you said that the the other fans that were there that were having the good positive banter with uh, the morants you know reported the other hecklers and got them mm-hmm. helped get them escorted mm-hmm. so it's good to see you know because i know utah gets a bad name and I don't, I don't expect much more from utah but if those people were also like you know helping draw that line um which is an important thing you know it takes the people who are who have the most close identification to the abusers or the the people who are crossing the line to check the people who are the ones mm-hmm. if it's only a small percentage of y'all y'all gotta check them because the people that are being aggrieved and, and, and hurt by these abuses like, you know what I'm saying? We can yell, we can yell, we can yell, but we don't have the power to change it. The people who are next to those people, the people who I have that same similar cultural or socioeconomic um, background and standing are the ones that can make that change. Our girl, Naomi Osaka, um, was fined $15,000 for not doing um, her press conference at the start of the Australian or the yeah wait the French Open. Woody, can you tell us a little more about 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 this uh, situation? So last week she put out a tweet. So she put out a tweet basically saying that she was going to not do press during the French Open, and she cited a couple of reasons. One was you know protecting her mental health. Secondly, she cited the idea that you know she goes, let's face it, you're sitting in a press conference you're literally getting either the same question or a variation of the same question, whether it's pre-tournament, post-tournament, after every match, you have to answer questions, blah, 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 blah. So at the time, there was no response by the French Tennis Federation about, you know, this thing. So today, she, I believe she won her first match today. She didn't do press. She was fined $15,000. The French Tennis Federation is threatening to uh to falter from the tournament uh if she continues to voice speak to the media um I, I i honestly i think that's crazy um my whole thing is uh i really i personally would like to understand 
the historical background as to why just across all of athletics why there's this link between your your contract and speaking to the media i understand with certain leagues like the nba nfl i understand that link but i feel like there's a spillover amongst these leagues or these different individual sports and in the age of social media many athletes do their own kind of uh, social media where they'll talk about certain topics. They may talk to certain journalists, but I guess my whole thing is why can't there be some, some middle ground in this where maybe the French tennis federation will say to her, well, as long as you say after a match, maybe you go on your Instagram and say, Hey guys, this is how I felt today, blah, 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 blah. And end it and not take questions. I mean, if, if she has to do anything, I'm all for it. I think I, I'm all for it. I support her in this. I just think it's unfair that they're going to default her from this. Although uh, from this article from ESPN, they are saying that there are two pieces from the code of conduct from, I don't know if this is from the WTA or the French, whatever. There's code of conduct standards that say she has to do it. So I don't know. It, it, it's, it's just getting out of hand in my opinion. You know, I'm, I'm kind of with you or with this. I mean, for me, it's a tricky situation. I'm kind of right in the middle, to be honest, uh, because I'm with you and I'm with her, too, on like the mental health aspect of it. Right. Because she is a shy individual. Right. She's not like this isn't like someone like Kyrie, who's who's like about here. I am bringing him up again. But this isn't like Kyrie, who's like, man, I'm not doing no more interviews. And then comes back and calling them pawns and then comes back and want to talk about everything else. Right. Like she is very shy. She's shown it when she first beat Serena and cried. Right. <laughs> Being interviewed. And she has a heart. I didn't even know she spoke English when she beat Serena that day. I was like, I, I wonder how, you know, I didn't know she I knew where she was born at. But I thought maybe, you know, like she was having a hard time with the language, but she was just that shy. And then you hear it, she speaks English perfectly. It's her, like, you know, uh, fluent, fl perfect fluency and no accent. But it was just like, that's how, she, and so it is a mental health issue. And I think the Tennis Association should hear that and say, hey, how do we work through this? How do we do this? How? But then the other aspect, this is where I'm in the middle. I understand that sports has the money it has now, and these people get paid the money they have now because of the relationship with media because of the relationship with uh, journalists and interviewing, because of when it started with baseball, when you had those people assigned with, from those newspapers and they traveled with the team, right? And they had these relationships and they called into the newspaper to report the game, report the interviews after. They talked to them about it. And this is how we went from print to ESPN to these things. And this is, look, think about what the money, think about when ESPN finally got big, right? like early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, really wasn't big in the 80s still. They were still showing sumo wrestling. And think about like 90s to, to now and think about all the interviews, how many people were watching it to hear what people said after a game, right? That's, and then all of a sudden you started getting things like when the team show, like when you watch the NBA on NBC with dun -dun 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 -dun, you know, Jared's favorite music. And at the end of the game, they started seeing like, wait, ESPN is getting these people that want to hear what they got to say after. We're going to start interviewing people right on the court after the game. Right. Football started doing it they, because but then also they also the players reap the benefits of that, too, with their rise in salary because of those eyeballs, because of the advertisement. So there is a link to it. So I understand when 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 the NFL tells Marshawn Lynch, you got to sit here. Right. 
You got to because you got 12 million last year, 10 million a year because of these guys, right? They understand the link, but then I think there needs to be, like you said, a middle ground, like maybe have the the preconceived questions ahead of time. Like, look, these are the questions we're going to ask about tennis. Maybe have some sports information director, the one taking questions from the media and then picking out the ones so we're not repeating and regurgitating and and asking someone how they feel after they lose a million times, right? Uh, Like, remember, she got frustrated last time when she didn't answer the questions. The last time she lost when, and she's like, I'm leaving now. Cause she, they kept asking her how she felt. And it's like, you know how she feels, she feels like shit, right? <laughs> you know, why she gotta keep answering it? It has to be a middle ground. Cause I tell you this, I, 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 the one thing I don't want is I don't want what we had a Michael Jordan situation where he only was interviewing with the Ma Rashad and that dude was, we got nothing out of it, right? We got nothing out of it. Amara Shah, there was some deep issues I wanted to hear about. And Amara Shah glazed everything. And then Kobe did the same thing with Jim Gray. And we got nothing out of that. That's mm-hmm. what That was the start of the generic mm-hmm. answering questions. Mm-hmm. Oh, aggression at the end of the game. Oh, we just were aggressive. Uh, we made more shots than the other team. It was a start with that was Jordan and then the Jordan and Amara shot, then the move to Kobe and Jim Gray. And it was just not good. I, I you know, uh, and so it's, it's mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, like, how do you balance out to keep the athletes mentally healthy, but why at the same time getting word and getting more exposure out there? Because as a fan, I like the interviews. I like when Shaq was matched on the air. And when he talks about Gray Oster tag, I like that. I didn't think of it that way. I guess um, this is how they get their advertising and money, these interviews and stuff. But I'm at the point, some of these questions, I'm like, oh, yeah, they're horrible. I'm, dude, you're asking the same questions I said over again. I was like, okay, we haven't grown as, in a society to understand people's emotions. We haven't understand that now that as, as a grown society, you actually say dry ass questions. So I <laughs> think they need to remove the emotions from the interview. Don't ask, don't ask questions right after a match. Don't ask yeah, questions right after a game. I don't like the I don't like the quarter stuff the NBA does with the coaches. Yeah, I, I, don't that, to, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't need to, to hear that. They don't say we anything either. They don't say anything either. <laughs> what did you guys do in that first quarter? And we giving you, first we giving you candid stuff, Actually, and they can't cuss because we got on a delay, so I, they ain't gonna I tell don't. us nothing. Man, I want to hear the coach say some real shit. I want to hear a coach cussing. They cussing their players. I want to hear them cuss. Well, the other piece to that is the coaches sometimes, you know, if you're talking to a coach that maybe the first half, the first quarter, they're not doing so well, and then he's got to sit in, all right, let's work out this. Oh, ESPN wants to talk to you. Fuck, you know, he's got to go say and act like he wants to do this shit. Yeah, you know, well, blah, blah, blah. Because I've, I've seen uh, Pop, I've seen Pop just sit there and be like, uh-huh, yeah, okay, uh, yeah, all right, bye. You know, like roll out, like, no, we'll do that shit. Yeah, I, I kind of, I know people was giving mess to Pop about that, but I was so glad when he started it. I'm like, thank you, Pop. I don't I don't give a damn about what's going on in the middle. I see yeah. what's going on. Yeah, I, I right. see that right. you guys are either up 10 or down 10. I know what's going on. Uh, Parker's out there making love to everybody's t- everybody on the team. He's making love to everybody's wife on the team. That's what's going on. We see it in the game. He's got the whole, he's got the San Antonio Spurs and distracted because Tony Parker is having sex with Tim Duncan's wife. Well, Rick Barry's wife. <laughs> Allegedly. Kind of go back to Naomi Osaka. I mean, when she mentioned mental health, one of the examples she used was in the Australian Open when Serena lost and she broke down in the press conference. And, and it goes to 
the uh, you know the idea that the questioning is you know very you know very uh, just similar. You know, they just ask you the same question over and over. Um, and 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 to your point, Aaron, which I you know forgot to really think about, but you know her winning um, put her in the spotlight, and she's not someone who wants to be in the spotlight. She's mm-hmm. very much a reluctant. Uh, a reluctant role model, reluctant hero. She's been doing so much as far as uh, advocacy and social justice that has been very, okay, I'm gonna wear this mask and it has the name of someone who, uh, a black person who was murdered and that's how she's going to do her thing. But then she will speak up, but it's very, she's, she's very much a reluctant hero. Yeah. But to be real with you, she's the hero we need. Yeah. yeah. I also get tired of listening to those. Pre- I don't watch press conferences anymore because most times the questions are not really questions. They're actual like like full on like two paragraph, you know, saying questions where they're describing everything that happened and then saying, so what did you think about that? Like like they're trying to outsmart the coach or trying to show the, the coach or the player how much they paid attention or how much they know about the sport. And it's just like, no, just ask them an open ended question and let them be candid. And if they want to be candid, they'll be candid. If they don't want to be candid, they won't be candid. But all these like super superficial questions that like describe eight different things while they're asking the question and they finally ask the question just get uh, annoying to me. And it doesn't really let the the player or the coaches describe the thing that you're already describing in your question. Like let them break it down for you. Let them break yeah. down what's going on in the route of things. You know what I'm saying? These are all so much for marketing and I get they help pay the players. But when you have like a thing like tennis, tennis is like, you're in your own head. You don't have teammates. You're in your own mind. It is your battle against this opponent. It is the battle against yourself and your flaws or your mistakes that you will or will not make. So it's a it's a very like mentally taxing sport. I, I feel like that is not understood in the way that maybe she will speak more to um, versus a, sport, a team sport where you have your teammates, you have the camaraderie to bounce off of. You have a support system that, you know, you, you see people also going through some of the same things that you're going through that, that, that you're working towards the same goal and all the weight is not on you. Tennis, the entire weight of your success is on you and your coach a little bit, but is on you. You are the one who is the, the, the person that will fulfill your, uh, your success or fall short of your, your goals and success. So that is something that is interesting in these individual sports that I think maybe she, you know, this, this, this narrative or this understanding of the mental stresses and the, and the mental capacities that go into, you know, managing an athlete or being an athlete at the highest level of these sports will, will come out and um, we'll hear more about it. But um Till then, I don't really give a fuck if she does interviews anyways, you know, saying I don't want her to get fined. I don't want her to lose her money. Kicked out. And and can they can they yeah, like does tennis not want to have their best players at the tournament? <laughs> that's the difference between tennis and America, right? Well, well, I was gonna say that's another I'm gonna switch, I'm gonna switch this platform, but um that's the one other thing I wanted to say is the tennis association being such snobs, you know. Yeah. They are, they're always, she was a beautiful, pure, white, blonde lady with blue eyes that all, um, that gave him a lot of endorsement money by being beautiful white. I bet you she wouldn't be fine $15,000. Yeah, they'd be happy. Anna Kornikova just show up to our tournament. Yeah, you show, don't, turn on you the don't... tournament. Absolute garbage. She's Anna Kornikova show up to a tournament. She was out the tournament an hour. So it didn't, no, they, they make more money off of soccer. They know they make more money off of soccer. Yeah, so and they, they need to treat her that way. Yeah, well, but, they need to treat her that way. Them damn snobs and the tennis. I think they so also crazy. understand that she needs to be out there and be a face in the interviews. Right. That's what yeah, I said. But, but they be more. But, but they're, they're more aggressive because her skin is dark, Aaron. The catch they're like, look, look, look. 
Don't you don't you act out. You see these white folks get up there and be pretty. We need your ass to be up there and be pretty. Fifteen thousand dollars, give it to me right now. <laughs> yeah, I I wonder if she's going to. I wonder what the next move is going to be because I, I had a chance to scan through this article again. So basically, the, the rule of conduct is for all four of the grand slams. So basically, after she made the announcement, she got essentially a letter saying, you know, hey, look. This is the consequence that could happen if you don't do media. And that was per these are the codes of conduct for all four of the Grand Slam. So it's not just the French Tennis Federation, everybody wrote her as one unit. But my question is in my mind is, excuse me, I wonder what's going to be like her next move. I mean, she's got to pay the fine, she's got the money. But then the question is, is she going to on principle? say, okay, if you want to default me, default me, I don't care. Is she going to give in? I'd be interested to see what she's going to do. She may, because I guess she's thinking this is a matter of mental health and trying to make a stand. I have a feeling that she will probably, um, she will probably take the default, which means kind of to your point, Pedro, that, uh, you know, she's going to essentially, their, their big face is gone. Now, Who's left? I mean, Serena's in the tournament. Can she pull this one out and tie the record? Uh, will it be somebody else? Who knows? But it'll be interesting to see from a TV standpoint, from a viewership standpoint, uh, and even potentially from a ticket standpoint, how this will affect, affect the bottom line. You know, what people say, well, if Neil Masaka's not in it, I'm done because she's the second-ranked player in this tournament and somebody who probably has a pretty good chance to win. Cause she did do a uh, on court interview after her match and mm -hmm. basically said, oh, okay, my court, my, my clay game needs some work. And that was pretty much it, but she didn't go sit in the press room and do a presser. So I don't know. It's going to be, this is going to be, I'm going to see, I'm interested to see how this plays out. Yeah. And, and you know what? Maybe, maybe it's conspiracy. You know what I'm saying? Maybe she is doing this so that she's like, I dare you to default me. They know she knows they might default her. So she gets defaulted out. So Serena can win her title and get that step closer to, you know, setting the record. And she'd be like, Hey man, I never lost to Serena and her setting the record. You know, I got defaulted. Conspiracy uh, sister. Trying to hook up with another woman to get a dick out, to ration a piece of it out. Just like they rationing our damn government cheese in the project. Let's move on to Cutty Corner Shoutouts. Cutty Corner Shoutouts. Cutty Corner Shoutouts. Cutty Corner Shoutouts. See, we shouldn't now Pedro. See, Pedro ain't gonna be able to unmute himself when it's his yeah. turn. Greasy, greasy-handed nigga. Man, HBU is phone used to him talking to it while eating KFC and Pioneer Chicken. Oh, actually, I changed the name of Cutty Corner Shoutouts. Not Cutty Corner Shoutouts anymore. It's... Adarius's subpar weed dealer that was somebody from the islands that Adarius hooked us up with to sell us overpriced weed while we were in New York. Shout outs. Adarius's weed connect that sold us Bammer weed because he was from the islands. Hook up in New York. Shout outs. It's time. It's time. It's time. <laughs> All right, cutting going. I mean, I mean, um, Adaris Bell's uh, we connect with Bama Weed from New York. Shout out, Aaron. 
do you have an Adarius Bell hookup of, of some Bama weed uh, in New York? Shout out. I do. I do. I, I actually, you know, I'm kind of breaking the mold and doing something that I usually complain to you about. And that is I have two of them right now. One of them, my credit card start out goes out to um, the country of Spain and their uh, equality stamps they came out with. This is this is this is what I like to call a swing and a miss when you try to do the right thing, but you miss so bad. Like it's like, dude, OK, I don't know. Do I do I give you credit for your attention? So uh, the Spain Postal Service, in honor, marking the anniversary of George Floyd murder, they came out with these equality stamps, which are stamps of shade of skin tones, right? Going from dark, very dark, like a dark, a dark skin, usually African or African-American or African European person to a very like pale, more white race person, right? The only problem, this is where their miss comes in is the campaign launches the stamps at a very different value, right? Not all the stamp the stamps cost different prices, right? I guess it must be, cause you know, different weights cost different things. So out there they might do it differently where you just buy a stamp for a certain weight. The problem is the cost of the cheapest stamp starts at 70, 70 euro cents, right? 70 cents, which is 85 in our, our time, 85 cents for us. And that's the darkest color. And then as the shades get progressively lighter, the stamps go up in price. So the lightest pale skin one is $1.60, the palest one. <laughs> so Spain has offered an apology. Their postal service offers an apology. <laughs> but it's just a swing and a miss. Spain, so that, that was my first one, man, the Spain postal service. My second cutting corner shout out goes out to clout chasers. The people out there using my work, you know, using my swag to get attention. They all, they, they out there stealing and, and doing anything they can to steal my drips. That's what they doing right now, Jared. They stealing my drips. I've been holding this in all week. I've been holding this in all week. I wanted to bring it up, but I realized my drips must be so good. You know, I might change my introduction. My introduction now gonna be AG3, also known as Drip Bayless, right? Because that's how I'm gonna I'm be the Drip Bayless of the sporting world. Cause that's how my drips keep getting stolen. They already got stolen by Pedro, who trying to walk around and act like me and telling people that he me when I, when I, once I left LA, right? Maybe even Adarius Bell. That's why he trying to sue because of my dripping, right, Jared? Maybe yeah. that's it. But I tell you this, this is what happened to me. Let me let you in. This has been a hard week for me because I found out, I woke up on Monday morning and found out that my S-Bank account has been disabled because I violated some terms. Now, let me tell you this. I'm real real careful about it. I've been putting hot fire on there to share with people on my S-Bank account. I put hot fire videos on there. I be I don't do it all the time. Probably got like eight videos, but they the hottest ones it's hard to find. I find them somewhere and I set them up for the people. Now here's the thing I do though, Jared. I take my time and I use cold words, right? I want the people to know I don't want the people always asking, oh, who's this? Wow, great video. Who's this? So I do cold words, Jared. I use the dollar sign for S. I use the zero for O, the, the number zero for O, and I is represented with the exclamation point, and L is a one. I use code, man. Put the name in code so people could know, right? The problem is you get some fools out there that want attention, and, and they want to go on my, on my stuff, and they want to put in the comments the person, write the person's real name on there. Oh, this is who it is. No one to ask them, but they write the name. And then you always get someone that's foolishly saying, oh, man, what's the name? Even though if they hit play, the name is in the first two, five seconds. Even though I put it in code, it's right there. Problem is, 
you got people that want to be the superhero of the porn world and they want to be out there. Oh man, I'm going to help everybody out and I'm going to write the name. And not only do they write it, they tag the person's name on it. They tag the person in my video. Next thing I know, I'm getting messages. My shit disabled. I'm waking up on the morning trying to do the Lord's work, trying to do what that swinger in Florida got me doing, trying to ease, make, make life better for him and me. Right. And, and help him spread the message he's trying to spread. I'm trying to do that, but I can't. And then I got to go back to Yahoo and create a whole new Yahoo account with a whole new account because some fools keep trying to grip my swags and my drips and put names on there because they want attention from my videos. So this goes out to the clout chasers who always want attention for someone else's drips, always trying to catch them, always trying to catch them. That's the problem. But just let them notice you're catching my sweat, dog. You ain't catching what I, I'm the one putting in the work. It's sort of like a Darius Bell in this podcast. He put in all the work. And Jared over here catching his drips. Pedro, do you have a Cutty Corner shout out? This week, my Cutty Corner shout out goes to Liz Campage for her calling out the coach. Um, the coach made a comment this week. I don't know. Was the coach for Connecticut? Yeah, Connecticut's son Connecticut called her out son. and uh, said she's her. like 300 pounds. He called her. She said come she looks. Come on, looked. he said. Yeah, he just said, come on, man. She's like 300 pounds. So this campaign ear hustled that. And she was like, and she went immediately to the social medias and is like, look here, little mom. Look, I'm not gonna take no shit from you. You know, is that my good is that a good Australian voice? That's I'm a horrible Australian accent, dude. Damn I don't it. know what the fuck you doing. Damn it, I thought I was good at this. <laughs> like, look here, little mom. Look here, little mom. I am 235 pounds. I am not 300 pounds, and I will not take your racism. No, this campaign, she was just talking shit. She was talking shit. You know why? Because y'all in a competitive sport. Now, this is the opposite of what was going on um, when people spitting, you got fans spitting at play NBA players and dumping popcorn. This is the total opposite. This is within this is the game, as they call it, within the game. The game within the game, she had to go ahead and publicize this, you know? Uh, no, you, you go up, you can direct him, you can, you can direct him face on face. You 300 pounds, remember? Oh, I'm sorry, 235, 235. And you can go up and tell that little man yourself, hey, watch your mouth. Don't get on the gram because this, we need we need women to be stronger. We need you WNBA to be stronger. Now they're going to look at y'all a bunch of whining uh, folks out there on the court. And then on top of that, you drug racing. No, he was being competitive. And now the coach gave a half-hearted an apology, and I actually agree with his half-hearted apology. I'm only apologizing because the, the lady told me to. I'm just doing, I'm out here, we're doing, we're in the competition. I'm doing fan. I'm trying to get a favor from a rep. This is now you're just taking the stuff way too far. And, um, but, uh, other thing I want to say, Liz, uh, if you, if you feel like he's intimidating you and you don't feel safe around that little white man, come on over here down to Phoenix. Uh, me, Brittany Griner, we'll take care of you. I'll make you feel like a woman, like you've never been treated before. All up and down your body. And my second quarter quarter shout out goes to um, people, non-believers. 
So as you know, our um, non-believers of Tribe Called Quest, non-believers of anything positive. Now this was racist because the dude that talked to me about this is a closet racist. And he wanted to get in my business because I bought a tractor and it was my last day. I didn't tell a lot of people there. I don't talk to a lot of people there for this, this whole reason. I was like, yeah, I bought a truck. Uh, got a tractor, I got to use. And it's not no brand new shiny truck. It's just something to make some money with. It's got a warranty. So he made it, made his point to say, hey, wow, man, you're a better man than me. My friend just bought a truck. You know, a guy that used to work here. Yeah, he bought a truck for $65,000. And come to find out it had flood damage, now he can't get a contract. And he was trying to deter me because I'm a Negro. He wants to see nobody uh, succeed out of that $70,000 job that he got. So, hey, man, hey, look. Uh, people talking about, oh, woe is me and scared of everything. Man, what, when they coming for you, they coming for you. Don't, don't have this excuse of, I need somebody to always protect me. You don't, if you haven't evolved and you haven't grown in your life, this is how, this makes me sick about grown men, especially white men that got the world at their fingertips. Always complaining and always having an excuse about something. No, go out and do it. You doing your own thing, let me do mine. And do, do not discourage me from doing it. I don't need any, uh, uh, down sales on my business. I'm just starting a business and you gonna try to downplay it like something can happen that's horrific. Well, guess what? Unlike your little white buddy, I did my research. And guess what? I bought my truck with a warranty. Did the white boy do it? No, he just stupidly went out and bought $65,000 worth of equipment without knowing. I don't hang out with him. I work with him and that's it. I tried to introduce him to a few nice people. He made a fool of himself. I don't mess with him, baby. That's not me. Well, that is our show. Thank you for listening to the Darius Bell podcast. Um, <laughs> please continue to tap in and uh, look out for our exclusive content. The owner might uh, might might come on and uh, bless us with his presence one day. Um, aside from that, we will leave you with this. That's something. Oh, hold on. I got one of these uh, Instagram videos. Still waiting for that other Tony B. Conscious video to come out. Another hip-hop classic verse. Hey, you better check your perspective. Yo, when it comes to beats, I'm very selective. Because of my image, I'm overprotective. But to display my divinity is my directive. And uplift the people, my overall objective. So when I hear a melody, Check it, grab a microphone and then connect it. Not wreck it, but respect it. As I get naked, hip hop, I'm here to resurrect it. Just make sure that it's protected, never neglected. And even if it gets hectic, I stand back and make sure I'm unaffected. Cause I know I've been dead and I'm in.
culture of love. But are you? Well, then you better check your perspective. I really feel I sorry for that beautiful white man that made that beat. Dude, that white dude was, was montaging himself playing about 20 instruments. A beat machine. And some, it looked like something that he was shaking. Yeah, he had shakers. This is shakers. Maracas. Maracas. Man, oh no, no, he got a he got a Korean dude. Hold on, let's see what this one is. Oh shit. Uh yeah. I won't look. Yeah, you, got, you can't go do like you got you, you gotta go back. And I gotta send I can send it to myself. Hold on. I've been I sent it to myself. Let me see. I wanna see what this one hey, is. Hey Jerry, his sis words his sis words seem pretty big now what he said a week ago. But a Darius kid, I thought about that when the, after that night with the Darius yeah. Bell podcast. You know Darius is being a hater as usual. I thought about when Jesus said, man, it came. He was like, man, you wouldn't have that policy changed today. Man, you should just change the name when he left. Well, he, he said he didn't leave. That's what he said. <laughs> he he thinks that he didn't leave. I'm like, all right, well, you, you stopped showing up. That, that'd be like that, that'd be like a, a Debbie father be like, I never left. I just stopped showing up. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, that counts as you leaving, nigga. I'm sorry. just <laughs> come to the games you know? <laughs> no he, he can he come to your concert after you make it big he's like hey son man how you doing <laughs> all right here we go let's see what this is when people ask me how i get through my day i let them know i just meditate i visualize all the abundance in the universe cause I know I come from this I meditate and give thanks for my ancestors today so I say namaste yes lord yes lord you can't put this on air, Jared. You can't put this on air. I don't. I don't see why not. You can't put our reaction to it on air. I don't see why not. Because Jimmy buys a lot of shit from Tony B. Conscious. It'd be one thing if this was just a guy we had outside observing. If, if we're trying to get him on the show, we can't diss him and then get him on the show. I'm not dissing him. Laughing at him, thinking is dissing him. I'm not laughing at him. I am. I call, it, I call it emoting. <laughs> I don't know what you're laughing at, but I know I'm laughing. Uh, his 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 story hits me like uh, the same way the the uh, Antoine Fisher story hit y'all. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no previous. <laughs>